An Eye for an Eye podcast contains materials that may not be suited for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. I don't regret killing my mother. And as evil as that may sound, that's my reality. If somebody killed Stella, I wouldn't regret killing them either. Most of the time, especially at night, I'm crying. Especially at night. Can I ask you why you cry at night? I... Hi everybody, we're back with an eye for an eye. I'm your host Lisa with Matt over here. Hello everyone. And we are back serving some realness tonight. This case is also one of those cases that really drives me crazy. Um, we'll get into that in a second, but first I wanted to go there over some business real quick. So we have five episodes released at this point, and we are so excited that you have all commented, liked, shared, reviewed, but we definitely need your feedback. That's what we want. That's what we live for. That's what this whole podcast is about, whether it's about the case, the podcast itself, whatever the feedback may be, we want it. It only helps us grow and make things better, make things more entertaining, make things more serious. Whatever you feel we could grow on, we want to hear. We're not expecting everyone to give us like five-star reviews and tell us we're beautiful and rainbows and butterflies. We know we're new. We make mistakes and we want to hear about them. We want to hear what you think we could do without, what you think we could add, what you like, what you don't like, just really everything. And those reviews mean everything to us and we really appreciate those who've given us reviews already and just... Leave us your feedback. That's that's all we need from our listeners here, and we really appreciate it. And I like reading them, and definitely once we get some more feedback, we'll shout them out in the show and let you guys know what's going on. But we really, really appreciate all the texts, the love, the support, the verbal um, praise and you know comments from our friends and our families and those who may not even know us. It means the world. I know I've heard a lot of people say things to me about the podcast. Have you? Absolutely. It just reaffirms for me that we're making a difference. A lot of people are listening to us, you know, taking some time out of their day. Yeah, it's like really it. cool. And it, it makes us happy. So please make sure if you like the podcast or even if you hate us, I mean, let us know. Tell honestly. us. We don't care. Honestly, you know, the, <laughs> the most that it will do for us is make us better. And that's what we want. We want to be a podcast that everyone can enjoy who enjoys true crime. So I just want to touch on that really quick, and like I said, if you like us, please rate us on iTunes or whatever you're listening on, review us, give us a shout out, whatever you feel is appropriate or necessary, regardless if it's good, bad, indifferent, we'd like to hear from you. So I just wanted to shout that out on the top of this show tonight. Also, I wanted to touch on, in the show notes I've added, I've seen a few other podcasts do this, and I think it's important. Because I don't always shout them out verbally because I don't know all these hotlines off the top of my head. But I do add different hotlines and helplines in the show notes. And that, I think, is really important because a lot of these cases obviously have to do with crime. A lot of these crimes stem from some other debilitating illness or mental health issue or even just someone who could use a friend or someone to talk to. And if I think, at least, if they would have had those resources prior to these crimes that they committed... Maybe it would have changed the course of things. Maybe not, because some people are truly psychotic, as we've most likely already covered if you think about our prior episodes. But I just wanted to shout that out as well. But yeah, so those are my little notes for before we start this episode. Thank you so much again for tuning in with us today, and so let's get started here. So 
This case, like I said, super crazy, and you'll find out why shortly, and it's all to do with the sentencing. I mean, the crime's horrific. It is. But it literally, the whole part that blows my brain out of my head has to do with the sentencing. Yeah, it was honestly as surprising a sentence for any case that we've covered thus far. And yeah. that includes O.J. Simpson. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it, and he's free, right? He's, free. he's out. Yeah, he's out. Walk in the streets. Let's see. Right Let's on. take bets. How long do we think it'll take for him to be back in jail? Uh, hopefully never. Yeah. We'll amen. See. Okay, so this is the case of uh, Heather Mack and Sheila Von Wiesmack. On August 13, 2014, Tommy Schaefer and uh, Heather Von Wiesmack checked out of a Bally Resort hotel. And when they were checking out, they they came downstairs, checked out. They brought their luggage down to a taxi cab that they had called. So they put their luggage into this taxi cab, and then they said that they were going inside to check out. Well, they never came back. So the taxi cab was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what's going on? Where did these people go? And they waited a while, waited a while, waited a while, and they noticed that they um, put in a suitcase that, was, that had, like, red stains on it and seemed to be leaking a substance. And so the taxi driver, he ended up calling the police after waiting about an hour or so before they just never came back. And they called the police. The police came and opened up the luggage. And inside was the body of Sheila Von Wiesmack. It was shocking in of itself. This happened in Bali or Bali? Bali. Bali. Um, it was in Bali. Uh, the body was wrapped in a hotel bed sheet and tied up with duct tape, and there were blood stains all over the sheet. Police also noticed that there were two smaller suitcases that were found in the taxi, both containing hotel towels with blood on them as well. This was crazy because this taxi driver was like, wait a minute, these two young, this young couple just came downstairs, handed me this luggage and never came back. I don't know where they went. Mm-hmm. And they opened this luggage, and it turns out to be the body of who we found out to be Sheila Von Wiesmack. It was two hours. I'm sorry, I stand corrected. It was two hours before the taxi driver uh, advised the hotel staff to call the police. And so, yeah, so that's how this all started. Now, obviously, the taxi driver knew who brought those luggages down to his car, so he was able to quickly describe who he saw bring the, bring the luggage down, and that took off this whole crazy case. Right, and then they actually were caught on surveillance camera based on that description leaving the scene, right? Mm-hmm. That's what kind of came Yeah, out. and I'm pretty sure they went to another location, another hotel. They, like, snuck out the back, and I think that's when they were seen on mm-hmm. camera. They snuck out the back of the resort that they were staying at, and it, they were just very easily identified. They, I'm pretty sure they were found, like, Super quick. I'm pretty yeah. sure we'll get into that in a bit, but yes. they were found very shortly. There was no, there was no manhunt for these people. It was very evident yeah. who they were looking for and who had the luggage in their possession. No, Luca Mag, not a manhunt for these guys. Ah! Ah. So, speaking of Luca Mag, not a real quick. I'm like having nightmares trying to look up audio clips for him no, no, because no. I'm so afraid I'm gonna find something that's gonna lead me to this damn video. You don't wanna see the video. Don't Did you watch it? No, I didn't watch I it. I was gonna I'm just say saying that. you don't wanna you. see the video. No, I don't, and I don't even wanna see like a screenshot of it, so I'm like scared. Uh, will you help me with that later? I will try. Cool. <laughs> Sorry, side note. Alright, so a little bit of background here. So Sheila von Wiesmack, she had she was 62 years old. 
And she had a bunch of different careers in her life. She had a very successful career. She was an editor for the oral historian Studs Terkel and had also studied with Sal Bellow at the University of Chicago, which is also where they resided. Sheila worked as an aide for late Senator uh, Ted Kennedy as well as the late former First Lady Jackie Kennedy. So she was really well known in her community. She was known for her hard work, her dedication, and she had a lot of friends and family, which you'll see here in a few minutes, because they were interviewed a bunch of times regarding this crime. Right. After she was found dead, a lot of people were consulted to see why. How did this happen? Yeah. Right. Like, were there signs? What What went on? Because, like we said, it's pretty evident that the two that brought the suitcases down had definitely had something to do with this. So it was never a question during any of this investigation who was allegedly responsible. Obviously, they hadn't been convicted at that point, but there was there was all signs pointing to Heather and her boyfriend, Tommy. So, they, like I said, they lived in Chicago, and Heather was Sheila's only child, and Heather was 19 years old. Now, Sheila, like I said, she was pretty famed in her community. She, people knew her, and that was also because she was the widow of the jazz and classical composer James L. Mack. And Mack, he helped pioneer breakthroughs for black musicians in Chicago in the civil rights era. He ended up dying in 2006 in Athens, Greece, on vacation with his family, and he suffered a pulmonary embolism. I'm pretty sure that's a blood clot. I don't know. Yes. Is it? I don't know. (laughs) Well, well, whatever. Whatever pulmonary embolism is, that's what he was reportedly that he reportedly suffered from when they were on vacation in 2006. Now, it's kind of interesting to note that in Mr. Mack's will, he left Heather, who is his daughter, the sole beneficiary to a $1 million trust fund. It was reported that he had other kids from another marriage, so it was kind of curious that he left Heather, who is 19, Mm -hmm. the beneficiary of his trust. Now, what does being a beneficiary mean? I'm kind of You're the sole heir of the... So you inherit that money. Okay, but it also did say that Sheila was the executor of his estate, and she got $340,667 after legal fees for a lawsuit that surrounded the cause of his death. Which, again, we'll get into a little bit later because Heather herself has some thoughts about how her father actually died. Now, what's a sole executor? Does that mean you're, like, in charge of exactly. state? You are in charge of the estate. Estate meaning, like, home? All that's left from the person's will and tested. So then what's the difference between what Heather got and what her mom got? Heather was the sole beneficiary, but she probably got it when she was a minor. And therefore, her mother was in control of it until she was 18. Got That's it. called the executive. She's technically called an executrix. Uh, okay, got it. Sorry for, I just wanted a clarification because I like to understand what I'm reading. Yeah. And when I don't, I get sad. So, <laughs> so like we said, um, like Matt said, there were a lot of interviews that went on after Sheila had passed away regarding what was her relationship to her daughter, what could have caused this, how did this happen? And a lot of her friends seemed to recall that Sheila was a great mother and gave everything to Heather, but that was 
um, in part because of the loss of Sheila's dad. She Sheila seemed to understand that that was a hard blow for Heather and did everything in her power to make that seem less of a burden to bear because losing your parent, I can't imagine how hard that would be. And especially when you're, you know, so young. So Sheila did everything in her power to make sure Heather was okay once her dad passed away. Now, this did cause tensions to rise between Sheila and Heather after her dad passed away. People recalled that Heather was a very, very spoiled child. Obviously, they were a wealthy family and would throw temper tantrums uh, when she did not get her way. <laughs> but, you know, that's a lot of the time's result of a spoiled child. Clearly, as we stated, Sheila really tried to give Heather a good life after her father passed away, and they did have a lot of money, not only from what was left to them, but obviously when their dad was alive, you know, they, they had a really good life. There were a lot of reports filed by Sheila against her daughter in the years after Heather's dad passed away. The Oak Park police said that they made 86 calls to the Mac home between January 2004 and June 2013. 86 calls. 86 calls. See, let's pause for a second. If I have to call the police once on my parents or my daughter, I don't have one, but my imaginary daughter or anybody, that's that's one and done. Like, we're going to get some help or something's changing. 86? Like, this is, like... Bananas. Think they were a little over the top, or you think it was a little over the top in this situation? Probably both. Both, honestly. I honestly believe eighty-six. That that's a lot of calls. Based on what we're looking at here, and there were a, a litany of charges that these guys fi- not filed, but were incidents relating to domestic violence, theft, calls and nine one one hangups, and even missing persons. Confused, where was my daughter? I believe she's gone. She hasn't been seen in days. It was pretty much a tragedy over there, and the cops knew about them very well, I'm sure. Uh-huh. They were, after 86 calls, I feel like they... Anyone, I don't think in my 24 years of life I've ever called a singular person, maybe other than my parents or my house, 86 times. I really don't think so. I don't call people out, though, so that's also probably part of the problem. I have, but it's just also... (laughs) It's his preferred method of communication. Yeah. But yeah, they were called for, like Matt said, all sorts of things. And and that's hard, too, because they're not always the same scenario. So it's hard to say whether or not these were red... Well, obviously, they're red flags, but who could think robbery would lead to murder or... You know, just a verbal dispute with your parents. Like, I get in fights with my parents all the time. I would never in my life ever think about harming them. So it's one of those things where this is a case that had ample opportunity to get some help, get some intervention in there. But it's so hard to say, like, were these this serious enough issues to really see what could have happened? So I don't know. It's hard to say. You know, you in hindsight, you always see 2020, But, like, in the moment... I'm sure it seemed like a pretty typical blowout. I don't know. Not many people call the police on their family members. What's a typical blowout in their house seem like to you? I don't yeah. Know. Well, it so in one of the instances when the police were called, it said that Heather was found guilty of battery in order to attend a mandatory counseling session with focus on anger management. And before that arrest, there was physical violence against Heather. Heather's mom from her daughter, such as biting, punching, and hitting, and one time even caused 
she let it break her arm. So Heather's propensity to violence is pretty well documented. Yeah, I guess I guess I need to backtrack because, uh, yes, yeah, she she definitely beat her mom, abused her mom. As confusing as that. And went to counseling that, though. Yeah, she went to counseling. It, it seems as though she was getting help, and then as confusing as it may seem, because with kids, you know, they tend to exaggerate, and with adults, they tend to downplay everything if they're involved. Because who wants to go to jail over the fact that they spanked their kid? Yeah. It's just 86 calls is kind of the red flag that I would... Yeah, and it was always said that Heather was the aggressor, not Sheila. So right. she was beating up her mom. It also speaks volumes that in some of these reports, Sheila did say she thinks her daughter has a mental health problem. Obviously, that has to do with why she was in counseling for anger management issues. But it does speak volumes to the fact that she was aware that something obviously was not right. One of you have to call the police on your child. That's a good indicator that something's going mad wrong. Right. And then if your daughter breaks your arm, bites you, hits you, punches you, kicks you, scratches you. Repeatedly. Repeatedly to the point where you have to call 86 times and your friends are warning you about your own child. And you complain on she has mental health issues. I'm not victim blaming, but there are so many red, si- red, red signs. Red flags here that, that scream. Red signs, red flags, dead. red billboards. I mean, <laughs> flashing red light. Flashing red light. <laughs> Pull over, for Christ's sake. So, a few of Sheila's friends were interviewed regarding all these allegations against her daughter from, you know, obviously post-mortem because this is after the fact when these people were interviewed. But they said at least four or five of them would say to kick her out. She was hanging with a bad crowd. And she said that she could be charming and sweet one minute and a vicious little monster the next. But most mothers will probably tell you their daughters can do this. <laughs> you know, my parents I would, would probably say the same shit about me. I would agree me. with that. I actually circled that here in my notes because yeah. I think that that's something that can be described about a lot of people. However, I don't beat kicks, man. Exactly, Punch. and I think what's funny is this isn't Sheila saying this. Mm-hmm. This isn't her talking about her daughter to one of her friends. This is one of her friends talking about her daughter saying mm-hmm. she could be a real pain in the ass. Yeah. Real That's nice and know. charming and then, yeah. I Because mean, it's the opposite for me. My my parents say I'm a pain in the ass, but my, my friend's parents my are like, pa- oh, she's the best. Yeah, my parents' friends think I'm the nicest person yeah. on earth because I'm nice to them all the time. And, yeah. You know. So. I'm pretty nice to my parents, too, though, so. I, I have my days. But we all when do. I was little and I didn't get along with my parents as well because I was the devil child, they would always be like, you know, my friend's parents would be like, oh, Lisa's so sweet, she can come over any time. My parents would be like, where? Like, what? <laughs> They're nice But this house. is the opposite. That is a really good point. It was that, it was very well seen through other people's eyes. Sometimes, I guess, when you love someone, you put blinders up. But it doesn't even seem like Sheila did that. Seems like Sheila was sort of just blind to the fact. Not even or blind. Or she just believed she, just... she could do something to change. I don't know. I don't really know if she thought she was able to kind of communicate with her daughter differently than everybody else did, maybe. That was my initial thought, that maybe she... Because based on what everybody was saying after the fact that she was killed, she seemed to be the only one that did tolerate her daughter for a long period of time. Yeah. It wasn't like she had many friends, based on what we see on her social media pages. It looked like she had a lot of her own post likes. Yeah. So I don't know necessarily what she might have felt, but I think that it was some loyalty to her daughter in the sense that there was 
nobody else there for her, really. Mm -hmm. And then she found this boyfriend who was there for her, and look what happened. So that all happened in 2014. Heather dropped out of school and hung out with a bad crowd, which was obviously how her mother and her mother's friends viewed it, even moving out of her mom's house at the age of 19 to live in a hotel. Now, that only screams trouble. You know, if you're living in a hotel, that's... You're up to no good. Interchangeable. Yeah, unless unless you're working a you know, full-time job and really trying to get on your feet. If you're living in a hotel and you're 19 years old with no job, no prospects for college or anything else... I'm worried for you. Yeah, as we apparently we should be. As Matt mentioned, Sheila was not fond of Heather's new boyfriend, whose name was Tommy Schaefer. He was a 20-year-old... 21-year-old hip-hop artist who she began dating in early April 2014. He went by the stage name Mr. X because he thought he was cool. Those two got into trouble together a lot. (laughs) They would often steal Sheila's credit card to fund their partying lifestyle. They'd throw parties at the hotel that they lived at, and they'd take her card and charge it. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why... I mean, I guess the love of a mother, because I don't understand why at that point she would have been like, get the fuck she out of here. She wouldn't have cut them off. Cut it off, cut that card up, close exactly. the account. Don't give your daughter. But then again, you said, you know, we said that she got, she was sole beneficiary or whatever of her dad's, you know, inheritance. Does that mean Sheila doesn't have the right to cut off? Because that money's technically Heather's. When she's an adult, it became hers. So 19, she's 19 here. So technically, would that. I mean, it was her mom's credit card. Obviously, that's a little different. But doesn't isn't she entitled to this money because it was given to her? I think so. I'm not sure exactly how that works. I'm not an attorney, but I do know that. They, <laughs> are, are you sure? I'm positive. <laughs> I I didn't pass the bar. Yeah. I didn't take the bar either. So <laughs> uh, I'm not sure exactly how it works, but I do believe that once she turns 18, technically she is entitled to the vast sum of money mm-hmm. that she was owed a million dollars. And I don't know necessarily why she would be stealing her mother's if cards she if she had the money. That's a good point. That would be a question to ask Maybe, the attorneys. Yeah. However, I would attorneys, also let us hear from you. Call please. us back. Uh, <laughs> we uh, we really do need to look more into that, though. I would be curious to know as to why she was spending her mother's money because I think really there was some. I think it was more to spite her. I think it was too. Yeah, I was going to say that. Because she needed the There was some level of discomfort there with spending her own money, and some of it was that she wanted to get at her mom a little bit. Well, like I said, they they kind of have like this fake Bonnie and Clyde type of relationship where Tommy had been arrested before, so he got Heather into this crazy lifestyle. As we said, it's illegal to use someone's credit card without their knowledge or permission. They did that to fund their parties and their lifestyle. Right. And... It's really sad because it was reported that, you know, Sheila wanted nothing more than to be better with her daughter. She All she wanted to do was grow that relationship. It's her only child, her only daughter. You know, her husband's passed away. Yep. She She's a widow. She's alone. And all she wants is to be close with her daughter again. And, and that's really sad to me because clearly this didn't end up in a favorable manner for anybody. But in maybe, order to actually, do that, maybe though. Heather did. But In order to do that, though. She invited her on a trip to Bali, uh, ten days, mm-hmm. and actually she those. To take Heather. Yeah, she wanted to just take Heather, and it would be you know a what should we say a repair the relationship? <laughs> you know, like well, should we trying to get this? 
Mend the wounds? Are we like, I don't know. Are I they like going for fun? I think it would be nice to get away from with the two of them. hustle and bustle from everyday life, from Chicago where they lived, from the boyfriend who she hated, from the her friend saying her daughter was a monster. Sheila's friends, if she had any, besides Tommy, probably saying, you know, her mother's a bitch. And, and it was noted that Sheila's friends in their interviews with police after the fact, they warned her not to take Heather on this vacation. Reason being is because Heather's a little bitch. Heather's a monster. Heather's going to ruin the trip. She's going to do something that will ruin the time and ruin this vacation. It's an expensive, all-inclusive resort in Bali. Right. She was expecting a really good time. And I think that for the price that they paid, it was not ultimately what they expected. (laughs) What? Did she just say for the price that they paid... It wasn't what they said. She got killed. That's what I mean. <laughs> but um. Actually, though, so I'm I'm a little bit based on what I read, a little bit of background reading about this. There was a pretty basic relationship there. Like they they knew that there was some like there was a back and forth, but there was a mother daughter feel there, and they actually thought yeah. that they would be able to fix it there. Yeah, I think that's what Heather said though, and then it it because didn't she say something on social media before they left for the trip, and then when they got to the trip, she said something else. So yeah, so she she posted she's as you'll see in a few she's really active on social media still to this day, which makes me want to throw myself off a building. But the initial stay in Bali was peaceful. on On the beginning of their trip, it was a normal mother well as normal as it could be normal mother daughter trip. You know they're enjoying the beach, everything else. However, apparently by August 7th, Heather posted an ominous message on social media that was a picture of her looking out into the ocean on her nice, beautiful resort suites balcony. And the caption of the photo, which pointed to some tension within the mother-daughter relationship, said, and I quote, I refuse to let someone say what I can do. Getting money is my attitude. You know what it do. Hashtag Bali. This bitch is gangster. Tough. Just kidding. She's a little bitch. From that point on, that's where police surmounted that this vacation went to shit pretty quickly. Because that post tells you, I refuse to, you know, do what you want or to let people rule my life, whatever the fuck she said. I refuse to let someone say what I can do. That tells you she has this. We assume she's talking about her mother, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I mean. yeah. Absolutely. Who knows exactly? The getting money part is my attitude. I have no idea what that means. I don't either. I don't think she knows. I think her brain cells are not there completely, but... Hold up. Okay, sorry to break through here, but or jump in, because I'm editing this podcast as I record this. So I had a little breakthrough. I said, I don't understand that getting money is my attitude bullshit in her tweet. Now, through editing this and thinking about the case, I realize part of the motivation in trial, they said, was money. Getting the inheritance. Getting, you know, her mom's share of whatever the fuck. I just had to bring up that I had a breakthrough while I was editing this podcast. Please continue on with your scheduled podcast. Thank you. So that's what that happened. So on Thursday, August 12th, like I said, from August 7th on, tension seemed to rise between Sheila and Heather. But it was reported 3.30 in the morning, Sheila came down to the lobby of the hotel that they were staying at the resort in Bali. 
panicking. And the reason she was panicking, as she told the concierge, is she was worried because she hadn't seen her daughter and thought she had gone missing. Now, Matt touched on this. This has been a report that Sheila has made before. Yes. Back in Chicago, back at home, randomly Heather will go missing, not show up, not return calls, not not let her mother know she's okay. And clearly, I don't, I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't have kids, but I'm guessing Sheila's bond to Heather was just too strong to say fuck you. You know what I mean? To basically cut the ties yeah. and deal with nothing more. Which is this. what kind of, I don't know if her friends necessarily said to cut the ties, but they definitely said you need to cut her off. You need to get her help or you need to get her out. Right. So she rounded up the security. The concierge rounded up security. Remind you, this was at 3.30 in the morning. Sheila's freaking out. Her daughter's gone. And she's freaking out. And suddenly, Heather did appear in the lobby. Now, of course, because tensions are high already from August 7th on, and because Sheila was nervous and scared, she freaked out. So they became entangled in a heated argument. And the manager of the hotel actually reported that it intensified because Sheila found out that a second room had been reserved with her credit card. Now, Matt, who is this room for? When she called security, she found out that a second room had been booked under the name of who else but Heather's boyfriend. Flew in for their trip. Mm-hmm. Heather was dis- had disappeared to go pick him up at the airport. Yep. We is, can assume. So that, that room was booked under Tommy and again used Sheila's credit card to book the room because Heather has no respect from her mother at all. Right. Now, when Tommy showed up in the lobby, because he did show up in the lobby when this was all going on... Why did he, he claim he was there? This is the best yeah, part, though. He said he was in Bali to study. To study. And remember, he... Well, I don't know if we went over this at all, but he was studying music in college and dropped out because he wanted to be, like, a rapper or whatever the fuck, some stupid DJ. I don't know. I respect DJs, but not killer DJs, so fuck him. But he, like, made some bullshit up about why he appeared there. Right. And, then, and this was like a slap in the face to Sheila because she hated this guy. Right, she did and not she like this kid. And booked this vacation to be a mother-daughter trip to repair the relationship. And the one thing that Sheila was seeing as a problem or one of the main instigating factors was showed up in the lobby. And so that Just definitely... Just escalated tensions even worse from there, we yeah, assume. Yeah, it was no good. So... It turns out that that room actually having been booked was a luxury suite as well. So Sheila asked Tommy, how do you plan on paying for this? You know, basically, are you kidding? And booked it on my card. Right, and she refused to pay for it. And then they ended up walking back to their suite where things only escalated further. And mm-hmm. actually a hotel employee came to the door to try and tell him to calm down where he overheard mm-hmm. Sheila saying that she had planned to pursue credit card charge frauds. Which she should have done when they were back in Chicago. Yes, exactly. You would have think she would have done that already. But I guess this was like her straw breaking moment. Exactly, yeah. Straw that broke the camel's back. And when they actually came to that door and heard that, that was the last time that Sheila Von Weissmack was ever heard or seen in public alive. Which breaks my heart in half. So let's get into the murder itself. The bullshit, yeah. So this is. Again, graphic, it's really sad, it's horrible. Heather's a piece of shit, Tommy's a piece of shit, pretty much everyone's a piece of shit, but Sheila, I think she really tried hard to be a good mom to Heather, just, you know, it didn't end up working out. So, let's get into it. So, um, as reported, obviously no one was in the room, and Heather's story seems to change very, 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 very often, but the most consistent reports of what happened the morning of August 12th or I guess it would be 
August 13th. Well, I guess it's 3 in the morning, so yeah, it's still August 12th. Yeah, yeah. So, August 12th, basically, what they, what the testimonies seem to piece together of what happened that night. Apparently, as expected, an argument broke out between Heather and her mom. Re because Tommy had stopped by their room because I guess I don't know where he slept that night I don't know where he disappeared to but he stopped by their room right this clearly upset Sheila all over again and she got into a huge argument with Heather and Tommy now we find out a big table turner here mm -hmm. where Heather claimed that this argument had actually stemmed from Sheila finding out that Heather was pregnant with Tommy's baby with Tommy's baby now that would have been a huge shock to Sheila finding this out on the trip, mm -hmm. not only the kid being there. Sent Sheila into a total rage is what Heather claimed, and obviously that would have been a shock, but this would have been the first reported case yeah. of Sheila Weiss Mac actually, actually freaking, freaking out. out. Now, as Matt hitting said, someone. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Because basically after they interviewed Sheila's friends, they said that Sheila was never the aggressor, it was always Heather. However... The claim that Sheila freaked out because Heather, she found out for the first time Heather was pregnant with Tommy's baby conflicts with reports that Sheila had actually already known very well about she, uh, Heather being pregnant. And the reasons they, you know, see that Sheila actually knew is one, because they looked through her emails. They saw that she had emailed her friends and family regarding about her being a grandma, right. how excited she was. Right. And it was also reported that not only was this vacation to repair her relationship with her daughter for peace's sake, but just between her and her daughter, but also because she really wanted to mend the ties before her grandbaby was born. Exactly. So none of this adds up to Sheila's, or Heather's story of Sheila flying into a rage, flying off the handle. Right. But this is her story. Like we said, this is the only consistent between Tommy and Heather's testimony as of yet. It was maintained all the way up through yeah. trial, and they consistently said that this is why the argument mm -hmm. that the whole physical altercation started from. Yep. So, basically, Heather claims upon hearing the news, her mom shouted racial slurs at Tommy. And, again, this is another conflicting issue because it was very, very, very evident that Sheila was not a racist person. She wouldn't use the, that kind of language. Not only had she not been reported seeing anything racist or anything of the sort before, she was also in an interracial relationship herself. Exactly. Heather is a biracial child. Her husband, who passed away, was also an African-American man. So it doesn't make sense. I, I mean, I guess people say crazy shit when they're mad, but I don't think that adds up to shit. Because I would never... Like, I'm Jewish. I would never shout out Jewish slurs to people that are also Jewish. Like, right. it just doesn't make sense. Like, if you're, if you fit a minority description, I don't think you're going to use that. There's so many insults that you could use. I don't think you'd use those ones if right. you're going to try to attack someone's character, especially if you don't actually believe it. Exactly. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So Heather said that when she started shouting these racial slurs, Sheila started choking Tommy and called Heather a prostitute 
and actually grabbed a knife and threatened to cut the baby out of her stomach. Again, we said Heather has normally been reported as the aggressor. There was never a police report in the 86 reports that were filed and calls that were made. Exactly. That 86 Sheila calls, ever. not one ever where Sheila was the aggressor. In 86 of those calls, I'm sure we can say that Heather had something to do with either exaggerating. And that's just the time they called the police. Right, that's when police were called. Fought without the police even being Exactly. Now, called. she's been known to exaggerate and manipulate the situation and make her mother seem like the aggressor in the situation, despite the fact that there was no evidence of that fact. And all the evidence pointed to the contrary, including her mother's physical wounds from the fights. Absolutely. You know? So it doesn't really make sense that all of a sudden she flew off the head. <laughs> yeah, grabbed a knife and went crazy. Yeah, went Especially when shit. she already knew this, that her daughter was pregnant, already knew that all this was happening. But it was reported by Tommy and Heather that Sheila started choking Tommy, and Tommy, in return, grabbed a fruit bowl that was really big to defend himself and hit Sheila repeatedly until she succumbed to her injuries. Heather says during that time she ran in the bathroom, which I don't think is true at all, but we'll go over that in a bit. And, and you know, Heather has some shit to say about this as well. And she said she locked herself in the bathroom while Tommy was continuing to beat her mom to a pulp, pretty much. Yeah, and then claimed that she came out and tried to resuscitate her after the yep. fact. Even which her is, head had been caved in. Yep. It's, it's crazy. And she said that she gave her mom one last hug before... Uh, you know, leaving the scene or cleaning up or helping Tommy do whatever. And that's just, I don't know, she's just a piece of shit. So, basically, that was what they said happened. Now, she had a story for everything is basically what it came come down to. I and mean, we know she's a master manipulator. She manipulated right. everything, including her mother. She had multiple incidents where she had incited a violent incident with her mother and then turned around and tried to claim that it was her mother's fault. Yep. So, you know, and... Of all things, to say that she bent down and gave her a hug and got blood all over her shirt because of yeah, that. Yeah, Victoria's Secret sweatshirt. Right. It's almost ridiculous. So, getting into the apprehension and trial of Tommy and Heather, they were first apprehended, like I said, in a different location. They tried to flee the hotel, and I think they were, excuse me, actually in another hotel. I'm not 100% sure. I don't really remember. But anyways, we said that they were really quickly apprehended because obviously the taxi driver saw them, the concierge saw them. They were not good criminals. They they were pretty cocky. They thought they were going to get away with something heinous, leave the baggage with the taxi driver. That didn't happen. So when they were first apprehended by the police, they told that the, the police that they were held captive at a resort by an armed gang. Yeah, they, that was their story. <laughs> yeah, they, at first. Yeah, they said that the gang killed Sheila and that they had escaped. Yeah. They ran away from this armed gang who then brought the suitcases with the body back to the hotel and left them with them. Yeah, and then they decided to bring them downstairs to the And then they decided to bring them downstairs to the cab. So it quickly, clearly unfolded really fast for the police. I mean, I don't know how they thought they were going to spin this any other way. They literally were seen it was with the luggage with yeah. their body in it. So it I'm was literally sure. cut and dry, and they tried to make it seem as though the last possible thing that could have happened happened. Yeah. So we can assume that they were, again, trying to manipulate the situation They're for this. clearly family. not very good criminals. I wouldn't call them first, no. <laughs> no. Obviously, in any of these cases, especially in the new age with millennials and all these new technological advances, their phones were pulled. This was a little bit of an interesting part because it also shows premeditation. It also shows planning. It also shows 
teamwork, for lack of a better term, <laughs> like yeah, body no, clan like type of what thing. What we call a conspiracy. There we go. A conspiracy to commit murder, right? That's what it is. Bing, bing, bing. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, so during these conversations, they talked extensively about killing Heather's mom. They talked extensively about how they should do it. At one point, they even discussed hiring a hitman. Right, which I consider to be... Unfortunately, I don't know how much text message evidence is weighed in a court of law. To be honest, I've never practiced it. But it should be weighed pretty heavily, uh, even though... It should be the same as a conversation. It should. Although, you could argue there's some very outlandish things said via text. Yeah, people people have a lot more kahunas. You included. Yeah, you right. <laughs> you right, I'll call you out, but I'm getting bolder. I'll call you up to your face, bitch. But I gotta run later. I can't tell. I can't meet you later. <laughs> I can't meet you later. I'll fight you tomorrow. I'll fight yeah. you tomorrow. All right. So they discussed hiring a hitman, and they used code words such as, quote-unquote, saying hi to indicate when they were talking about the moment of the attack that they wanted to finally commit the crime on Sheila. Exactly. So, I want to go over some of these text messages just a little bit. It's nothing like the Michelle Carter trial where it was all based on text messages. However, these text messages are important because, like I said, it does show premeditation. It does show that this was planned. It does show that Heather went on this vacation with a purpose. And Absolutely. she 100% knew that before they even got to Valley, which is And it so seems as though they knew Tommy was coming long before the day of August 12th. Long, long, long before. So... Here are some of those text exchanges. We're going to do dramatic reenactment. I will be Heather and Matt will be Tommy. So on the day of the murder at 8.20 a.m., Heather texted Tommy, there's no better time to say hi, is there? And for the next 37 minutes, Tommy and Heather set their deadly plan into action. So take it away, Tommy. Go with your gut, baby. I'll be outside. If you need me, I'll hear it. Just come here. I promise you, Heather. All you have to do, G is get her weak. I'll be standing by the door, coming now. Relax, you're Bonnie, do it. See, this is the Bonnie and Clyde mentality. They thought they were these fucking infamous killers. Anyways. Yes, now, uh, sorry, but when they're saying G, I'm reading it, they're just kind of talking to each other, so just keep in mind. Like gangsters that they are. Like gangsters. All right, G, I think I need you in here too. Okay, I'll try. Try your best. We got nothing to lose right now. Trust me, baby. I got you. Can you whack her in the head with a big fucking pole? A little later on, Heather texted him, will she KO? And obviously that means knockout. Yes. So after Heather persisted asking Tommy for help, he responds, No. Must knock her out. Must. Listen and shut the bitch up already. You're so stupid. So authorities allege Tommy texted Mac a photo of the murder weapon, a metal fruit stand from his room, as he advised her with what to attack her mother. So between 8.35 and 8.40 a.m., Tommy is seen on the hotel surveillance footage, which, again, they didn't think this out because they're so stupid. But right, they had to have thought that there would be cameras on this resort, but I guess not, you know. Idiots. And they brought down the dead body. But anyways, Tommy is seen on the hotel surveillance footage with something beneath his shirt as he walks on the third floor with two, where the two women were staying. So he clearly had the murder weapon with him as he was pacing around the floor. And he then snuck into a bathroom in their suite and the couple continued to text. So Heather said, now? Okay, slow, but don't keep the door open for too long. Too much light comes in, text when you're in. Slow G, quiet. If I talk at all, come in quick. 
So after more back and forth, Heather says, good job, stay over there. She's facing the other way. Plan? And Tommy responds, she's so awake. She says, suffocate her. But spells it all fucked up because this girl's stupid. Fuck, I gotta hit her. Can't we suffocate her together? A little bit later, Heather says... Is that thing hard enough? I'm coming to see it. I'm telling her I'm getting water. So basically, she went over to Tommy to see if the fruit bowl was hard enough to bash over... Right. Uh, ...Sheila's head before she killed him. So the text as well as Facebook messages form the basis for the recent arrest of another key player. Well, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd call him a key player. Maybe an accessory to this whole plan. What'd you call him? Schaefer's cousin. Tommy's cousin. Uh, not really a co-conspirator or an accomplice so much as just he was sort of in the wrong place at the wrong time and also happened to be helping two very shitty people for the wrong reasons. Yeah. He was probably trying to help his cousin, not really thinking what he was doing and what he might have been doing. Young and super dumb. Exactly. So text and Facebook messages found the basic basis for arrest of Robert Bibbs, who is Tommy's cousin, who's 24, of Chicago, and he was charged with federal conspiracy to commit murder of a U.S. citizen on foreign soil. So the whole basis of the the prosecution's attack on Tommy's cousin was that he plotted with Heather and Tommy on how to kill Sheila so they could get her money, which the trio mistakenly believed to be as much as $11 million dollars. Clearly, as we talked about in the top of the show, it was only like 300000 something is all that was entitled to Sheila. From the, the rest estate. of it. We don't know what the rest was. What the fuck? Like, how much money does this little bitch need? She got, what, two million pounds or something? Something like that. So he suggested, Tommy's cousin had texted back and forth with Tommy uh, that he should try and drown Sheila in the ocean or go sit on her pa- face with a pillow. Now, I wonder if he really expected them to do all this and if he was talking to them literally. Like, getting detailed is a little crazy. A little crazy. I, like, explain. Like, if I said go fucking kill her, like, that's one thing. But you right. sit on her face with a pillow or drown her He definitely ocean. knew what they Maybe were planning. Maybe he was high about. or something. Yeah, like, I was going like, to say, I mean, if he was high and, like, was, like, messing around... But then it gets to the point where they're talking about money. They're talking about, and we don't know if they cut him in. They have a motive now. But, yeah, we have a problem with that, obviously, because there is only so much culpability that can go around. These guys, you know, he he was there. Tommy hit her over the head. They're texting back and forth at any point in time. I think those two could have very easily just said, are we we crazy here? Are we going to really do this? Yeah. I don't know what Bibbs was thinking either. Like I said, I think he might have just been, like, over the top and Maybe thought, he was, yeah. Maybe, like, nobody, I don't think anyone in their right mind, at least that I know, think, gosh, um, I at least feel like take he, this seriously. he was overcharged is my point that I'm getting we'll at. We'll get there. Uh, yeah, we'll get there. Oh, yeah. This whole fucking case. It'll just blow you guys mind. wait until you yeah. hear. I'm playing devil's advocate for this guy because <laughs> you're not going to believe it, man. It would almost like yeah. uh, he was guilty of being in the wrong place at the wrong time and being stupid and probably planning to commit a murder. But honestly, he was. It doesn't seem, especially based on sex, they're so casual that you're right. It doesn't feel like. It doesn't he, seem like he really knew that they were going like, to do it. He was like, man, why don't you just drown her if you're going to kill the yeah. bitch? Like, it was literally like that. Like, yeah, you know, like if you're going to do that. Well, like, that's what? horrible, but yeah. No. It's terrible. But I'm saying I don't know necessarily that he was thinking, yeah, they're about to kill this woman and I'm trying to get cut in on the money for it. Yeah. So apparently Tommy texted Bibbs, this is for you, N-word. And the fam, one time, here I go, pray for me, cuz. 
And then Bibbs replied, done. It's go time. That part makes me Sounds think, like culpability. Yeah. I mean, uh, again, I agree with you once we get into sentencing here in a second. He was, it was overkill for sure for Bibbs. However, that right there, done, it's go time, right when, like that, that last bit that Tommy texted in sounds serious. That's when we're getting into serious territory. Like we said, when they were texting before, they were, we don't have the whole text conversation, but it's pretty much like, oh, how should I do this? Yeah, man, go just sit on our, like, you know, fuck it, man, just go do, you know, some casual, I mean, talking about death is never casual, but, you know, like, back and forth banter between cousins, just Ban- fucking banter around. Banter is the word that comes to mind. Yeah. Exactly. Just fucking around, whatever. But then when he says it's go time, this that is real, we're like doing he, this. He knew what was up. Pray for me, cuz. That's when you know, okay, this bitch just got serious real quick. Tommy is not messing around anymore. So the conversations between Bibbs, Heather, and Tommy were used as evidence in the Chicago Trust Fund case if a court hearing on the Slayer statute is held. Now, the state law bars a person who intentionally and unjustifiably causes the death of another from receiving anything of value as a result of their actions. So pretty much they thought that they were going to get this will if they killed uh, Sheila, but with Chicago law, you are no longer entitled to any any inheritance, any funds, anything. If you or you if you're involved in committing a crime that ends up in that person's demise. But yes, so basically what we're getting at there is even on foreign soil, there is still a potential to be charged in America with the crime yep. that you commit overseas, even if you're not present for the crime. Yeah. So Law is a very complicated thing. Yeah. So these text messages, like we were reading before, so they started at 8.20 a.m. They ended at 8.57. So it was only like 20-something minutes. I'm so shit at math, so please ignore me. It was only 20-something minutes from the first text of that night, or of that day, to the last text that they sent. And those last texts read as follows. So Tommy had warned that his phone had only 1% battery left, and he said... Let me just creep up and whack her. Once I do it, she was drunk and slipped and fell. Okay, just knock her out. It'll be so much easier. And within minutes, authorities allege that Von Wiesmack was fatally beaten with that fruit bowl thing. Right. So we're essentially getting to the point where they stopped texting, started acting. Yep. So now we're getting into the sentencing phase, which is where your minds will be blown and you'll want to throw your computer or your headphones or yourself off a building. Don't do that because we don't want to have right about you. Right. It will confu- <clears throat> it will confuse and astound you, but buckle So up. let's start with Bibbs. So Tommy's cousin, who we said, you know, is bantering back and forth with Tommy and Heather. Now here's why we say... Again, I want to just re- rehash this. He was in Chicago. He was sending texts. He was not on the scene of the crime. Nope. What he was had, he sentenced to? He was sentenced to nine years in prison, right? Nine years in prison. Now, remember that because some people would say... Second degree murder charge. Yeah. You know, you you did stuff that led to someone being killed. It could even be maybe manslaughter, but it was, what, federal conspiracy to commit murders? It was, is what he was charged with, correct. So that's nine years. And maybe if you ignore what we're about to tell you with the sentencing with Heather and Tommy, maybe I could see where this would be justified because it's kind of like attempted murder without actually being there. It's one of those sticky situations like Michelle Carter where he wasn't physically there, but he did say something or amp someone up and he didn't call the authorities. He didn't make a move when he knew that maybe this plan was getting a little bit more serious. They've been talking about it for months. There was a motive there, the money. So if you think about it separate as its own separate entity, 
from the sentencing we're about to read, you can see, okay, maybe that makes sense. You know, if if Sheila, or if Heather and uh, Tommy didn't exist in this case at all, and it was just Bibbs saying shit about wanting to kill someone, maybe it's a rough sentence. I don't know if he was trying to plan ahead on my parents or teach someone how to kill my, like, family members. I'd want him locked away, too. I always, I'll, I'll talk about over and over again how, like, attempted murder is always sentenced well, not always, but sometimes sentence so light, and it's almost like you're being rewarded for failing. And I'm not saying Bibbs was ever trying to kill anyone. He, like you said, he was the wrong place, wrong time. Mine wasn't there maybe all the way. But he got sentenced to nine years in prison, which I think is a little overkill there. I believe it's a little harsh. I think, honestly, charging I think him with federal like, conspiracy is a huge crime. Although I don't know necessarily what else they could have charged him with. There's not too much else. Now he should have put it down. No, manslaughter means there was absolutely no intent. That's actually the only thing that could not work here because that means that there was no intent. So the money part messed that up, right? The motive, the money, the planning, it all happened premeditatedly. There's no way that it could have. Manslaughter means it happened like by almost by accident or like it happened in such a flash that it was almost uncontrollable. There was no planning. So there, yeah, there was places he could like step in and fix this. So like if you hit me in the bar and I hit you hard enough to kill you. That's manslaughter. Please I didn't plan on it. You guys heard it here first. If I die from a beating in a bar, it was Matt. Um, I wasn't there, guys. I don't drink. <laughs> so Tommy's cousin, like we said, was sentenced in the U.S. for nine years in prison. Now, Tommy himself confessed to inflicting the injuries that ultimately caused Sheila's demise. Right. He hit her over the head. He's the one that confl- ultimately we probably inflicted those injuries and, and he didn't stuffed her. That. He, admitted he did not that. dispute that. And stuffed her in the suitcase. Mm-hmm. He admitted to that as well. And he was sentenced to what, Matt? 18 years in prison for that. In an Indonesian jail. Bullshit! <laughs> Bullshit! Bullshit! You kill someone... You fucking there for life. That's yeah. I can't believe that that was ultimately what they decided. I guess we can discuss these in a bit. I don't know how they got there, but I don't necessarily. This whole fucking case, like, how in the world does his cousin, who, like you said, was not there, had nothing to do with the actual murder? Well, I guess that's something to do with it. Kind of wasn't there. Literally, just sent text messages, which. I'm sure, as you guys, if you've listened to the Michelle Carter case, I do think you should be held responsible if you're saying shit that could lead to a problem. However, how in the world did Tommy only get nine more years than his cousin who wasn't there? That shit's insane. So, Right. When he's the one that struck the fatal blow, he's the one that planned it. He's the one sending the text to, himself, to his cousin and, and Heather. Heather. And he himself... Was probably, I think, the orchestrator of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly, but it seems like he got well, on a plane. Without him, I don't think the plan would It would have ever happened. He gets on a plane to Bali and flies over there. What do you think his intent was? Exactly. And now, they I also, I also full on believe that Heather Mack should be held equally responsible. But I'm ready for this? So, it was said that Heather was shown leniency because she was an expectant mother, which was true. She right. was pregnant. She was pregnant. And she did not strike the fatal blows to Sheila. So she was sentenced to get ready for this shit. Wow. Ten wow. years. Wow. Ten, Ten years. years. Say Ten that again. Years. Ten, Ten years. For years and years and years and years of abuse to her mother, ultimately ending up in her death for orchestrating her mother's demise 
for being there, for helping clean it up, for helping try and cover up. Clear motive. I'm Clear sure she, she must have attacked her at some point. I, like As you said, and as I've said before, Heather was known by the police for being very, very physically abusive to her mother, even breaking her arm one time. I have a really hard time believing that Heather just stood there while Tommy beat her mom to death. I'm sure she got in on that action because clearly she has a problem. Clearly she has a physical you know, issue in her brain that promotes violence. So I have a hard time believing that she just, I, this whole fucking child's messed up. So during her 10-year sentence, we'll go into what we think about all of them as you've kind of heard what I think. Right, but we want to touch a little bit about when she was in jail in Indonesia, yep. mind you. She was in, they were, she... Basically, guys, if you're going to get arrested, get arrested in Indonesia. Yeah, right. It's not that You want to commit a crime. You know what? Like, what's weird? I don't know if this is true in Indonesia, but in some, like, countries outside of the U.S., they cut off your whole hand if you, like, steal a loaf of bread. Oh, yeah. This bitch got off easier for killing her mom. Anyways, and just wait till you hear her life in prison. So here we go. Yeah, we want to touch a little bit about her post-sentence life because, Which honestly, makes you want to throw, like, literally throw things. This goes to an eye for an eye. Yes, absolutely. This is so fucked up. So anyways, um, during her 10-year sentence, Sheila befriended an English interpreter who was there in the jail for her. Well, not necessarily for her, but for the English prisoners that were there. Who brought her prenatal vitamins and paid for her health care. Now, according to Indonesian law... An incarcerated mother, this is weird to me. I don't know how it works anywhere else, though, so I'm not really sure if this is, like, I know it's not typical, but I'm not sure what the statute is here. But according to Indonesian law, an incarcerated mother maintains custody of her child until the child is two, meaning the child lives in jail with the mother until they're two years of age. Right. This is fucked up on, like, a million levels. One, because as an adopted person, I know the first year, two years, three years of your life is the most important mm-hmm. one to be raised in a jail with your mom, and then at two, for your mother you lose to be custody. That, for your mother to be that crazy bitch too. Like they let this daughter live with her crazy ass mom in jail, and then they're gonna rip her away at two years old. I think that's just all fucked up. It doesn't make any sense. Maybe people say, "Oh, the kids shoot their mother." Not when their mother commits a fucking crime. Right. That and ends just up this dead. year, actually, Stella turned two years old. The daughter's name is Stella. Let's point that out. Yeah. Yeah. Stella was two years old in 2017, and a birthday party was thrown for her in jail. So at that point, she was signed over, though, to her English friend, mm-hmm, the, interpreter, the interpreter, as her legal guardian until Heather's sentence is up. Which is so mad. Like, this poor little girl. Like, it's all just fucked up. I don't know. The whole thing is fucked up. So in the weeks leading up to Stella's departure, so Heather's daughter's departure from the jail, Heather began uploading YouTube videos to further explain her mother's murder. Now, this is just fucking crazy. So she had a contraband cell phone um, in the prison, which apparently all guards knew she had. No one gave a fuck. She had this cell phone. She was on social media throughout her entire sentence, which is still going on. And we're going to play some of these clips really quick. I'll probably cut them down a little bit once we listen to them. I don't really know what they all say, but I want to listen to some of them while Matt's physically here so we can talk about them a little bit. Because like I said, this gets even crazier. Like, you think it's crazy, then she hits you with another fucking crazy stick. She's, like, beating us with a crazy stick. Right. And it's scary to me that this bitch only got 10 years like this. She's going to be out of jail soon. Yes. This happened, what, 2014? 15. 15. I believe she was sentenced, so she will be released in 2025. That's soon. Yes, it's very All right, let's listen to these. Tommy will not be free until 2033. 
So that's a little bit longer, but still, that's only 18 years from the day of the crime. For a brutal murder. Okay, well, fuck it, dude. These people are crazy. Here. Now, this is Heather literally in her own words on her own YouTube channel. So if you want to look it up and literally see this bitch and listen to the crazy thing she's about to spew out right now, which we'll talk about in a minute because I am very interested to hear what Matt thinks. Um, I just want to I want to know your guys' opinion. So you guys let us know, too. This girl has access to YouTube and has a YouTube channel now here. And mind you, these videos have a lot of views. The one has 77,000. The one has 36,000. The one has 30,000. So They're all about seven and a half minutes long, so we're going to play clips from them and let you guys listen a two little minutes. bit. Two minutes. Did I say two minutes? Yeah. Oh, two wow. minutes. So I'm sorry. So it's five minutes glasses. total. Five minutes total. I need new glasses. I thought we were saying we need to play some clips. All right, here we go. Okay, so this is a video that I need to make. A lot of the times, since I've been a kid, I've heard the truth sets you free, the truth sets you free, and I never understood but I'm Heather Mack and I want to be set free. I don't want to live in a lie anymore. When I was 10, my mother killed my father in a hotel in Athens, Greece. Two weeks before I came to Bali, I found out that she killed my father. And I made it up in my heart, in my mind, my soul, in my blood, in the oxygen running through my body, that I wanted to kill my mother. First, I asked Tommy Schaefer to help me find somebody to kill my mom for $50,000. And he said, no. After that, I got this whole new savage idea in my head that I wanted to kill her in a hotel room because she had killed my father in a hotel room. We were going to Bali, so I began to plot. I began turning off Tommy's phone taking Tommy's phone when he was asleep, starting in Chicago, taking Tommy's phone and having conversations between Tommy and myself, texting myself, having fake conversations, and then deleting them before he could see them. I did that because part of me knew that with this plan of killing my mom in a hotel, that she might... I might get arrested. I didn't want to get arrested by myself in a different country. So I came to Bali and I told Tommy that he was going to come here for a vacation. I told Tommy that he was going to come to Bali for a vacation with me and my mother and that she knew about it. In all reality, I stole her credit card and bought him a ticket without her knowing about it. I trapped him here. And that is what I regret. I don't regret killing my mother. And as evil as that may sound, that's my reality. If somebody killed Stella, I wouldn't regret killing them either. But I regret bringing Tommy into it. I regret being selfish. I regret trapping an innocent person into this because 
It was my battle. It was my mother. It was my father. It was my battle. I'm sorry to Tommy Schaefer for trapping him. Came to Bali. My mom found out. I killed her myself. And then I told Tommy that if he did not help me clean the room and get rid of the body, that I would tell the police that he did it. I would pay money to get him arrested. So he helped me clean it. He ran with me. In the court, the same thing happened. My lawyers and I, because of the fact that if I get money, if, if my article that I was charged with was not that I'm the one who killed her, I'm still entitled to the money, and therefore I can pay the lawyers more. So we told Tommy together, my lawyers and I, that if he didn't take the blame in the court, that he would get the death penalty. So he lied in the court because of me. My motivation for doing this was myself. It's from inside of me and it's my battle. It wasn't Tommy's. Tommy's an innocent man. And an even more innocent man is Ryan, Tommy's cousin. I don't even know how he got involved in this or why the FBI involved him because he had absolutely nothing to do with any of it. He's innocent. I don't know if they wanted to sell a better story or what the FBI was on, but Tommy and Ryan are innocent. I'm not. And the only thing Tommy is not innocent of is hiding the body. And the only reason he did that is because of me. Because it was so burning and so deep in my heart, my plan, that I didn't think I involved him and I hurt him and I hurt Stella. And I'm sorry, Tommy Schaefer. I'm sorry. I love you. I really love you. And if I could go back, I would do it myself. And I'm sorry that everyone who ever knew you now thinks you're a murderer when you're not. I'm sorry you won't be able to get a job. I'm sorry everybody thinks that you're some crazy killer. This is the truth. And whoever is watching this, don't hate Tommy. He's innocent. I'm not. I love you, Tommy. All right, let's talk about it. Yeah. So that was Heather in her own words. That was Heather in the flesh, talking to her phone. And if you want to see what she looks like, literally look it up on YouTube. It's on her own yeah, YouTube page. it's on her YouTube page. And you guys, honestly, uh, my impression of her, she sounds very calm, very rash, very composed. It seems as though she's just trying to get it off her chest. However, she also repeatedly says, I love you, Tommy. I love you, Tommy. I love you, Tommy. Yep. I think she also probably has been alienated by the person she loves and is basically trying to get him back. Because I'm sure he fucking hates her now. I'm sure he probably hates her now, um, for obvious reasons. So basically, as you heard, Heather says she and she alone killed her mom, did it in retaliation because she believes... Her mother killed her father, even though it was suggested he died of a pulmonary embolism. Right. Embolism. So it basically embolism? is not something that sh she could have caused, I don't believe. Let's look up know. exactly what a pulmonary embolism yeah, is. Yeah, check that out. Let us know. And people are really pissed, as, as I am as well, because she's getting princess treatment in prison. 
most likely has to do with the money that she has. Right, but um, she's also able to record her YouTube channel and... Have a phone and play with her daughter and have birthday parties and laugh right. and play. Um, and she also mentioned that she got Tommy wrapped up in it because she and her lawyers convinced him that if he didn't plead guilty, that Heather would be convicted. And if Heather was convicted, they would immediately be taken off of the inheritance. You were right. It's a blood clot. Hey, look at me. I'm a doctor now. <laughs> so it is good to note that Heather has, again, um, backtracked on these fucking videos she wrote. And I don't remember exactly what she said about it, but she's, again, said she was just crazy, making up a story. I don't remember exactly what she said, but she did backtrack a little bit on those videos that she posted. So it's just interesting to me. Now let's talk about my friend. Now let's wrap this up. So obviously we all agree, at least Matt and I agree. Yeah, we agree. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, and I promise you guys there will be cases where Matt and I have different opinions on what should have happened. It's just sometimes it doesn't make any other sense to anybody, and that's why you guys come in. If you guys have any other opinions, let us know. Let us know if you think these players should have been sentenced more lenient or more harsh. So, as far as cousin goes, what do you think, Matt? Eye for an eye? Not at all. I think he was... Do you think he deserved any prison time? I do. I think he was involved in some way. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know how much he thought it was going to happen. Definitely not a year less than one of the killer's sentences. Definitely not a year less than Heather, who was in the room, who knew that this was going to happen for weeks. Helped plan it. Was probably the one who had initially put the seed in everyone's mind. I believe that Tommy orchestrated it, though. I do. I think... You don't think Heather... I think she, As she said... As she said, but I think she probably said that to defend him. I really believe that. Because okay. she seems to have an obsessive personality with him. I agree. Well, I agree. Maybe we do disagree on this part. I do agree that she's obsessive and probably did say some shit to save Tommy. But at the end of the day, I do think, since she's been known to be an aggressor... I think her mom was in her way. Her mom was That's in her life. Point. Meddling. I think I think it was a mixture of the both. I think she brought it up to Tommy, maybe. Obviously, he's not just going to go randomly kill people's moms. I, I think, think she put the idea on, in his head. He said, let's go do it. I think him getting on the plane and actually oh, doing it and saying, you know, like, this is for you, cuz, for my family. He kind of knew that he was getting paid out of this whole deal. He wanted this to be... And I think Heather did, too, ultimately, because we even find out that she has sought out in court some help to gain access mm-hmm. to her inheritance after she's out of prison and what she believes she should get out of Because this bitch that. is still trying to gain from her mom. Still trying to gain from her mom. Still trying to gain notoriety. And honestly, I think you're right. It is definitely both of them. But I do believe that Tommy kind of saw from the beginning that this was a payday for him. Yeah. And I, th- I think Heather probably did, too. And, they, and a way to get rid of her mom. So, yeah, you're right. It definitely, there's... Bonnie and Clyde, like, they were both kind of... Bonnie Bonnie. and Clyde. So, do... So, okay, so we agreed that Cousins, Bibbs, shits too too extreme for what his participation was. Right. Heather, clearly we think it's too lenient, but do you believe that because she's an expectant mother, she should have been shown some leniency? Or do you think 
she should have been a harsher sentence, but the rules in Indonesia wouldn't have changed. You know, they, she still would have been allowed to have her daughter until two years old. I don't believe that she should have been sentenced to anything less because she was expecting a child. I think that ultimately... This child should have been taken away. Yes. Isn't that what happens in the U.S.? It is. You give birth, the baby's gone. I believe so. Well, mm-hmm. after the certain amount of time that you have to spend with the mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, in the infant stages, not when they're two. Exactly. Um, you guys can correct us on us if we're wrong, but I'm almost positive I've seen cases or I've watched like Locked Up Abroad or Women Behind Bars where they give birth and they immediately have to surrender their kid, Um, which I think is appropriate because one, as we touched on, the first few months of a baby's life are the most important. Growing up in prison is no place for a kid, especially especially if your mother is an unstable, crazy person. Um, So what do you think should have been the sentence for Heather? 15 to life, somewhere mm-hmm. in that range. And if it was an American prison, it would have been 15 to life. In our system, it would have been. So I don't know necessarily what do you think she could have been like. I, I mean, I don't know if nine yeah. years there is considered a one lot. of the harsher sentences or one of the lighter sentences. Probably one of the lighter sentences. I would I think, think so because, I mean, I know that... Nine years is nothing anywhere. <laughs> they do execute people in Indonesia. We yeah. think that there is an execution. Though. So... It's so hard for me because I really do believe, unless it was self-defense or some seriously extenuating... How do you say that word? Extenuating. (laughs) Extenuating. So unless it was defense or extenuating circumstances, I believe if you physically take another person's life, regardless of age, gender, whatever the case, race, if you do that, at least half of your natural-born life should be taken away. So, like, if you're 15, 30 years, or 15 years, you know, like, double your age should at least be the sentence. Maybe not for kids. Like, I think, honestly, you should be away for life. I don't I don't know. I just don't believe in, like I said, there's some cases maybe where I feel a little bit differently, but in most cases, if you take another person's life, and it's not for self-defense, and it's not for some other really, really rare scenario, you should be in jail for as long as we can possibly hold you there. Because if you have it in you, it, it, it's not easy to kill somebody. I wouldn't know because I've never done it and I never plan on doing it. But I can't imagine that it's easy. And if it is easy, then there's something else that's wrong with you. And that needs to be taken away from society as well, is what I believe. So I think, I guess... This doesn't necessarily go for Heather because she, according to what she was tried with before she made that confession or whatever, you want to call that little rant from her, according to the the defense, she did not make the fatal blow. So I guess technically speaking, she did not quote-unquote kill her mom. But she planned to, and I think she, like I said, helped get it set up, and then ultimately I think Tommy was the one that orchestrated the whole thing and killed her ultimately. So um, I think the punishment should have been much harsher. And I also think her, her baby should have been taken away instantly. And I think her privileges should have been taken away instantly. And I think that... They need to cut our YouTube channel. <laughs> yes. And also, it's like... I feel this about our prison system, too, especially with big crimes. Obviously not petty theft and shit like that. But murders is the only thing I'm talking about. Or rape or child molest, like that crazy kind of stuff. I think 
you should be stripped of your rights. I don't think prison is supposed to feel like a glorified motel. No. You know what I mean? You should not be able to play basketball. You should not. I don't care if it's cruel and unusual. You did something cruel and unusual, and you should not be afforded these luxuries in life. You shouldn't even, you should have to poop in a hole in the ground and sleep in it. Like, you know what I mean? I, I'm, I don't have mercy for these people. Yeah. I don't care what the circumstances was, like I said, unless it was self-defense or some other very, very rare circumstance that I can't think of right now. If you end someone's life, you should be reaping the benefits of that. You should feel like you want to die. You should want to die because of how shitty you are being treated. Right. You know, okay. you should go crazy. I don't even, why do we have cruel and unusual punishment? Why is that a thing? Like, yeah, you can't torture people for like drug abuse and stuff, but for murder, fuck it. Let's cruel and unusual punishment, all of them. I think the Geneva Convention, not allowed to torture people. But why? I think it's because it's considered inhumane. Yeah, we're, we've become... Killing someone's inhumane. Killing someone is inhumane. So why are we avoiding these people luxuries that, that these people's victims didn't get? Obviously, you didn't make these with an intelligent answer. Just playing devil's advocate. I know. So on that note, then, why were, I should say, what <coughs> do you think of the sentence for Tommy? Too lenient? I would agree. Like I said, I think it should be... Same deal for her and him. At least half of your life should be wasted away in jail if you kill someone, if not more. Right. And what, they're 18, 19, so they shouldn't get out till they're like, hey, what, we say the average death of a person is 80-something, maybe 70-something. Shouldn't get out till half of that, 40, 50, 60. Yeah, spend a significant amount of time. You should spend... At least half of the life expectancy of a human being in jail. Realistically, I think he was. It was too lenient. I think he was probably undersentenced in our prison system for what he did. Blunt force trauma to the head. They I'm kind of confused it. that it's their prison system. Like I don't understand well, why it's so lenient. On Indonesian soil. Well, I understand why it was convicted in an Indonesian prison with Indonesian laws, but. I'm Why surprised that they're more lenient than America. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised by that, too. Because you, you normally hear, like, you know, I don't want to sound, like, uncultured or uneducated, but you normally hear, maybe just the cases I look up on Locked Up Abroad and stuff, yeah, you hear that they treat, they still stone people to death. Yeah, have harsher sentences and have much worse prison conditions and have Do you think it's because it was rich, rich Americans? I think that's part of it. Definitely. I definitely why Heather has luxuries in prison. Definitely. She's American and she's very wealthy. Right. She has the money and she's even brought that up that, you know, it, it's definitely partially because she can pay off these people. And she said, even in that little confession thing, that she told Tommy that if he didn't help her, she would pay her lawyers to put him in jail for the rest of his life. Exactly. And I think her confession honestly tells us a lot about her state of mind. Very jumpy. I don't know necessarily what she has in mind all the time, but it's very aloof, and she's all over the map. So I think that, above all, she needed some help, did not get it, and ultimately wound up in her mother dying, unfortunately. But between the two of them, both too lenient. I agree. I friend I was not met justice. I don't think was served. And it's scary to me that these people are going to most likely be back in the U.S. in a couple years' time. And as we know, Heather... I don't think she's been getting counseling in prison at all. So she's going to be right back on the streets, right back where she started. Yep. All right, Matt. So thank you, everybody, for listening tonight to this Heather Mack episode. Like I said, if you want to see her, check it out. She 
is very active on social media and also on that YouTube channel, although those are the only three videos she has. But yeah, we thank you for listening to another episode of An Eye for an Eye. We'd love to hear your feedback. What do you think? Do you think because she was pregnant, she should have been given a lesser sentence or her sentence was justified? Or how do you think the prison system regarding children and their mothers being incarcerated fits? Does it make sense to let the babies stay with their mom till two, rip them away from their mom until Anybody know anything more about Indonesian prisons Please. or sentencing? Tell us. <laughs> we want to know more. Apparently you can do a lot there. You can have a whole YouTube channel. Yeah, while you're in prison and a cell phone and have parties, birthday yeah. parties. If I don't you, even have birthday parties and I'm not in jail. I swear, I'm not even in jail, man. Nobody parties for me. But yeah, so let us know what you think. Our contact information will be in the show notes, but I'm also going to repeat it now. Obviously, it's all eye for iPod, you know, at gmail.com is the email, Facebook slash, or dot me slash iFryPod, Facebook at iFryPod, Instagram. It's all the same. Thank you so much for listening to us. Please, 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 please rate and review us. Get us out there. The more reviews, the more rates we have, the more notice we'll be in iTunes. And that's really important because we won't be able to be seen by an audience that we could potentially have unless we have that backing at least can be searched. <laughs> right. So help us out, guys. We need you to spread the love, and we will continue or to spread hate. the information. Spread or the it hate. all. Spread Whatever. Spread, sushi rolls. Spread it like manure. We love it. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Matt. All right. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate it. Thank all you, guys. Right. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Bye. She so desperately wants to tell me her side of the story. Let's give it a go. Hello. Heather, it's Matt. Okay. Hello, I'm here. Okay, great. One of the first things we wanted to ask her about, these now infamous images, many of them selfies taken from inside the prison, showing what appears to be Heather having the time of her life. A lot of people might look at you, Heather, and say, this is a young woman, a young killer, they might say, with too many freedoms. It's been reported that you spend your days partying, that you're caught up in a salacious lesbian threesome in there, and basically you, you've, you've got everything that you could want on the outside. Is there any truth to that? I don't party. How would I party in a prison? You know, sometimes I listen to music, but I don't spend my days partying. I spend my days taking care of my daughter. And to many, that might come as a surprise. Heather Mack is now the mother of a two-year-old girl named Stella, a baby fathered by her co-conspirator, Tommy Schaefer. In fact, in details, she says she's revealing for the first time only to us, Heather claims her pregnancy, along with Tommy's surprise arrival in Bali, are the two main factors that led to her mother's death. Now, with her baby in her lap, she tells us that story. So Tommy rolls up and, what, your mum just explodes? Well, she didn't know at first. She was asleep and, of course, I left the room. I snuck off to the beach with him and she woke up. And that's when she went to the first section and they said Tommy Schaefer checked in under your credit card. And she just went nuts. I just said, let's go to the room. We went to the room, we went to sleep. From there, she says, things only got worse. And I just said, I don't know what to do. And he said, let me talk to her. And he looked at me and said, okay. And he came down and it just escalated again. To the extent that you can remember, what can you tell me about your mum's findings? This is not even in the court transcript. 
The point of no return came, Heather says, when she finally made that big announcement that she was pregnant with Tommy's child. She's so angry. I told her I was pregnant. And she went around the room looking for a knife. And she was just screaming and screaming and telling me that that was when I was going to die. That was when I was going to die. And I said, Tommy, help me. And Tommy walked over to her and she went and she grabbed Tommy's neck. And it wasn't hard. But Tommy could have shoved her off. Tommy could have run away. Tommy's a very strong man. But I was just screaming and screaming and screaming. And he just smacked her. Smacked her, smacked her, smacked her over and over and over and over and over. And I ran to the bathroom. I said, Tommy, what are we going to do? Tommy, what are we going to do? Tommy, what are we going to do? What they did was wrap Sheila's body in duct tape and stuff her into a suitcase. But before we get to that, we wanted to try and understand how the relationship between mother and daughter got so bad in the first place. I mean, give me an insight into what your childhood was like. Yeah, it was not very healthy at all. My mother was an alcoholic. She was also diagnosed with multiple personality disorder. And the thing with my mother is that she just didn't want me. She didn't want Heather Mack how Heather Mack was. Heather confirms things got only worse after her dad died, but says that even before that, it was a violent home life. So I became extremely close to my father, and that also made her mad. That drove her nuts. Because I took her husband away from her. She would say something that hurt me. I would come home from school crying, tell my dad my dad would hit her. Then she would hit my dad. Then I would see her hit my dad and I would hit her. Then we would both hit her. And then it was just a pattern over and over and over and over and over until my father died and then it got worse. How do you mean? Especially when I was pregnant. I was pregnant before Stella. She just went nuts. She would chase me around the house until 3, 4 in the morning with a knife for the kitchen knife. Just saying, get the get the, get the out of that room. Get the out of that room, you slut, before I have to stab the baby out of your stomach. Over and over, all night. Shocking assertions, but Heather says it was this background that led her to where she is today. That was where all the anger came from. I had all the toys and the money I wanted, but that isn't what makes a child happy. And I was extremely angry because of what was going on in my household. I go to school because I was up taking care of my drunk mother. I understand. So that's where all the anger, until now I still have anger. But then, Heather swears it wasn't any sort of callous anger that led to one of the most gruesome aspects of the crime. What she does is fold her mother up like an accordion and put her into a suitcase. Unbelievable. With blood everywhere. She was like, and I just, just hugging her and hugging her. And I wouldn't let her go. And he just said, now we have to run. And I said, you are nuts. I'm not leaving my mother here. I will not leave her here. They said, what the do you want to do? I said, I want to bring her. He said, in what? And I said, in a suitcase. I'm not leaving her here. I just didn't want to leave my mother. I don't know. I have no idea where Heather Mack was at that moment.